Good afternoon, everybody. Hope everybody's doing great. This is Jacob, host of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. And as always, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Guys, we have made it through the season, or for most of us here in Louisiana, we are just about done. We are headed into the last week of the 2020-2021 waterfowl season here in Louisiana. And for those of you who have hunted the coastal zone and the west zone, you guys have just ended as we sit here on Monday, January, um, you know, heading into the last week of January. So if you guys hunted all the way up through yesterday, congratulations. As I mentioned before, hats off to the Warriors that made it through this season. And if you're in the east zone, you guys have a couple of more days to hunt all the way through the weekend, through Sunday. And then it's going to be officially in the books for 2020, 2021, guys. And, uh, you know, like I said, those of you who have made it to the end, my hat's off to you. We did the same for the most part. Um, unfortunately, we will not be able to hunt this coming weekend. We're back at work this week, so obviously cannot hunt during the week. And this weekend is Jackson's birthday. My my boy, my oldest, is turning 12. So we have plans on Sunday. And dad has to work on Saturday. So unfortunately, we will not be able to make it this weekend as we normally hunt the E-Zone. But all good things must come to an end. And when I say good things, I mean the season itself. The hunting, not so much like many of you would, would agree on, I'm sure. And I figured whenever we were going to do this closing episode to the season, it was going to be interesting to kind of see how the whole, look back and kind of see how the whole season went, guys. And, uh, and you know, we haven't been quiet about the way things have been going, especially in the second split here in Louisiana. Um, man, what a season. That's all I can really say. Um, and, and not in a good way, of course. But, uh, but you know what? I could sit here as we record this episode today, looking back at the season, and I could bitch and I could complain, and and uh, you know that's that's kind of the way it had been the last couple of weeks. Even though I, I wasn't, you know, you'll never hear me typically get on on the air on the show and, and and you know bitch and complain to you guys too much. I just kind of report what I see in the field. Um, we try to give you guys some accurate reports on where we hunt. Um, and also reports that we get from across the state from a lot of our sources and other hunters just like us. And uh, I try not to, to be negative about it throughout the season. And, and, you know, it'd be easy to get down about the way this season went. And, and a lot of you probably are down about it, you know. You're mad. You're angry. Um, and you have a right to be. I have to be 100% honest with you. You have a right to feel that way. Um, as a hunter and, a, you know, a a waterfowl, a duck hunter, um, maybe, maybe, you know, the way it went down for deer season, a lot of the guys that were hunting deer, um, you know, did some complaining this year and a lot of, you know, just not seeing the results that they wanted to see. But, uh, but I have to tell you from the waterfowl hunter perspective, guys, I, I'm going to go out there and just say, I think this is a pretty easy assumption to make is that this, this may have topped all years as one of the worst seasons ever that I can remember in all the years that I've been hunting. And 
after 2018, I didn't think it could get much worse, but 2020, 2021 pretty much said, hold my beer. We're going to show you how bad it can be. And, uh, and it, it, it ended up being a pretty miserable season for the majority of us um, here in Louisiana. And I know a lot of our friends in the South that hunt Arkansas and Mississippi and some of the other surrounding states in the flyway, it was also a very rough year uh, for a lot of hunters this year. But, you know, like I mentioned, I could be pissed off about it. I could get on, you know, social media and, and blast Ducks Unlimited and blast all, you know, Delta Waterfowl and the the farmers and the hunters up north throughout the flyway and this and that and guys i'm just not gonna go there it's uh, there's not much that i could say that hasn't been said already uh on social media those of you who hunt most of us are on social media nowadays um you you know what's out there you know everybody has an idea of what's going on uh why the duck hunt sucks nowadays why it's getting worse and worse it seems like every year um, and I'm just not going to go there. I'm not going to drag out the same old stories that we've all talked about and we've all had discussions about in the duck blind with our hunting buddies that we've got on social media and blasted, you know, the organizations uh, like Ducks Unlimited and Delta Waterfowl and all the other ones. And I'm just not going to do it. I, I just, we've beat that horse to death and I just don't want to go that route, you know and looking back at the way this season went. Um, you know, yesterday, me and Jackson, we uh, we were over at the uh, camp and we, we drove up to the camp on Saturday night. We didn't want to miss this weekend. Uh, the forecast wasn't the best here in Louisiana. We had a lot of warm weather that moved in this week, like many of you already know. Um, you know, substantially warm compared to what it usually is. Um, as we're recording the show tonight it's 72 degrees here in louisiana in south louisiana uh, which is very very warm and it got like that over the last couple of days um, we had a good spell of cold weather for a few weeks was kind of hoping it would bring some birds you know a little bit of migration down to us possibly but it seems like it never really got to us uh, and i'm going to talk about a couple of things that we saw over the last two weeks hunting wise that are just completely out of the norm for at least us, our experience hunting in the field. And maybe you guys will agree and maybe you guys will say, hey, well, you know, that's just the way it, it always is where we are, you know. But uh, as I, me and Jackson uh, went up to the camp Saturday night, we went ahead, we drove up to to our camp over in the Chaffly Basin and uh, we wanted to make a hunt. We, we got there early enough on Saturday to where we were able to kind of go take the boat out we wanted to go look at a couple of spots a couple of spots we had already hunted this season but we bounce around a lot of public land hunters so i hadn't been in these particular spots in the last month or so and i told jackson i said let's go take a look at them let's see how much rain they've got and the water levels have come up um let's see if some of the holes have maybe opened up a little bit just to check out conditions do our part try to make our last hunt of the season as productive as we possibly could and if you guys have tuned in to us before, those of you who listen to the show on a regular basis, the last couple of shows we talked about, you know, putting yourself in a position to at least make yourself somewhat successful. And 
what I mean by that is, you know, we talked about how hard it can sometimes be to, uh, you know, get a limit of birds each time you go out and hunt now with the way conditions have been over the last couple of years and the way the numbers and the hunting seasons have failed and how tough they've been. And I talked about in the previous episodes that, you know, a successful hunt isn't necessarily killing unlimited birds anymore, at least not for, for our group, you know? And, you know, this year, me and Jackson, my oldest son, did a lot of hunting together. Um, he was primarily my main hunting partner throughout the season. So we hunted two of us most of the, most of the year. With the exception of the first split, you know, I had a couple of good buddies of mine that I hunt with on a regular basis. We, we usually get to make quite a you know, few hunts together during first split and then it kind of tapers off. As we get into the second split of the season, the holidays come to an end, everybody kind of goes back to work and we're back to the normal grind and you're trying to fit hunts in between work and everything else that you got going on with the family life and school, perhaps you're in school, college or high school. And you're trying to squeeze your hunting trips in on the weekends, can't go during the week like you were during those breaks. So it really be, it really came down to where it was pretty much me and Jackson most of the time. And I, I mentioned this before, but I have to say it again. I, I can't tell you how blessed I am as a father this year that I got to hunt with Jackson as much as me and him got to hunt together this year, my oldest son. Um, you know, my youngest son, I don't talk about him as much. And those of you who know me on a personal level, um, you know, you know that I don't talk about Hudson as much on our podcast episodes because he's only seven years old. He's not at that point where he's really coming waterfowl hunting with us as much. Um, you'll see Hudson in some of the videos we did during the spring, during squirrel season, uh, because that's times where I could get him acquainted with the outdoors and bring him with us. But he's really not set up ready yet to go in cold weather conditions for waterfowl season. You guys know how it is with the waders and you know, you stand in chest deep in water and all that type of stuff sometimes. And I don't want to ruin him at an early age. So I don't mention him as much when we talk about, you know, duck hunting and waterfowl hunting um, as much as I do Jackson. But the time I got to spend with Jackson this year and to see him evolve as a hunter was something that I cherish about this season. And that's kind of what I wanted to make this, this show about this week is to kind of focus on the positive, not so much the negative stuff. Yes, of course, we're gonna talk about some of the negatives, but we also wanna make sure we don't leave out the positives as we look back at this season. And a lot of times I think we overlook that. Uh, we all remember the years where we had an exceptional hunt, or you may have killed that bird that you've been trying to kill for years that you wanna put up on the wall. Um, maybe, you, you know, you killed a banded bird if you were lucky enough to kill a banded bird. You know, a, a memorable moment that you're never gonna forget. You never do forget those hunts. And this year, I didn't have really, personally, any of that success this year. I didn't kill any banded birds. I, this is the first year uh, in the last couple of seasons that I don't have a specific bird that I shot that I wanna mount to add to my collection because I don't wanna just, mount a bird every year personally i want to have something that's special to be able to put up on my wall and i have a collection that i've been lucky enough to you know put together through the years and this year was a year i didn't kill anything that i wanted to put up on the wall um you know 
really and honestly i wasn't uh, the, the birds that we killed were not real a diverse you know mix of birds this year it was pretty much the same species of birds that we shot and in some of those species they even diminished more as the season went along so focusing on the positive for me looking back at this season had really nothing to do with the the hunting itself or what i killed this year the time I spent with my son and with Jackson and the lessons I was able to teach him this year and the information as far as scouting went. Um, you know, this year was such a grind that it, it, it pushed us even more as waterfowl hunters this year than probably we I've ever been pushed before. And even though the success didn't come like it maybe has in the past or I didn't have that memorable hunt where I killed a certain bird or a big number of birds in a hunt. I still learned so much from this season and I'm proud of the work that we put in, you know? And if I can look back on the last hunt that I made, which was yesterday, and say, okay, yeah, the season sucked as far as the migration, but I'm still proud of what we put in and what the time we put in and what we learned this year, then I, I feel like I've done my part as a father teaching my son to hunt. And I also feel like I've done my part as a duck hunter and a waterfowl hunter in trying to make future hunt successful for us as a group and as a family hunting together. And, you know, like I mentioned, I'm proud of the scouting we did. It made us grind this year. We scouted more throughout the, the, the season than I've probably ever scouted throughout a whole season in all the years I've been duck hunting. And guys, if you listen to the show, you know that you've heard my, my, you know, my experience in the field is a lot like probably many of you have. You've been doing this since you were children, since you were following your dads and your grandfathers into the woods of the duck blind. And we were blessed enough to be part of some of those good old days. You know, I'm, I mentioned this, I'm 41 years old now. We were of that generation in the you know, early 80s, mid 80s, late 80s, into the early 90s when duck hunting was really, really good in Louisiana at one time. And you younger generations, I really feel sorry for you because you've never been able to experience that like we got to see it at one time. And we only experienced a piece of it because the generations before that, back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, it was even more. They, they saw stuff that we can't even imagine with the way the seasons went, the migrations went, the limits went. Yeah, they had their, their downs too. They had, they had those years where it was down. You know, even when I was coming up as a kid, they had, you know, the point system as far as limits and all that. You, you weren't hunting for a number a uh, six-man limit, or I mean, or six-person limit, six-duck limit, excuse me. You were, you were going by the point system because, you know, they were trying to bring some of the species back, the numbers back up again. But overall, my childhood, coming up with my dad and my grandfather, and, my, and, and really a, a person that I owe a lot of my duck hunting experience to was my dad's uncle. He had, he had property that... I cut my teeth on as a kid that we were lucky enough to go and hunt. 
And I, I was even telling Jackson about that yesterday as we sat in the duck blind yesterday on the last day of the season for us. I told Jackson, he said, Dad, he said, did y'all hunt? You know, back, back when you were young, did y'all hunt public land? And I said, no, we really didn't. You know, I didn't hunt public land as a kid with my dad. That My family had property. Um, you know, you guys, if you listen to a couple of the last episodes, you heard me talk about how in Louisiana, the, uh, we had the boundary line for the east and west zone, and my parents lived directly on that boundary line. My parents had some, some property. Um, that was some old crawfish fields that we were able to hunt wood ducks and we killed some teal and other species in when I was a kid. And that's where I learned how to duck hunt. You know, it, it was good. It was good back in those days. We had numbers of birds. I don't remember scratching a whole lot, to be honest with you, with my dad. We were always cleaning ducks. I was helping my dad pick ducks. I remember that, you know? So you remember those good times. You know when it was good. And, you know, the younger generations now, you guys that are getting into duck hunting now, I feel for you, you know? I look at Jackson, and Jackson's been with me. He's turning 12 this week. And he's been duck hunting with me now since the last four years, I'd say. You know, four or five years where he's been coming with me. And there was a point where, you know, in 2018, it was so bad. You guys recall how bad 18 was that it was hard to keep him interested, you know? Um, you know, you look at deer hunting. You know, as an alternative, a lot of I used to always say that deer hunting to me was bored. That's why I never got into deer hunting. Uh, you know, because it was just slow, in my opinion, for me. To where waterfowl hunting was fast, and you could talk to your buddies. Uh, you know, you could you could eat a snack, you could take a piss, you could you know take a number two if you had to. And I laugh about it, but it's true. You know, you had that camaraderie where you could. You know, hunt with your buddies. Everybody could talk and have a good time. It didn't affect the way the hunting went too much, like deer hunting would, you know? But hell, a couple of years ago, like I mentioned, in 2018, it got to where it was hard to keep him entertained, you know? And then 19 was slow again. You know, well, I mean, 19, I saw, it wasn't a great year. Let's say that. It wasn't horribly slow. We had a pretty decent season last year personally on public land hunting public land but it still wasn't one of those years going by like we had seen when i was a kid that i'm talking about uh, and you know i know that i know everybody says well you know my age they said well it's not like it used to be i know i know that and i understand that and when i say it's not like it used to be i don't mean to bitch and complain about it that's not what i'm getting at i'm just of that generation to where I know what we had and what we experienced growing up versus what we got now. So that, that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. But, you know, the positives and, and sitting there with Jackson yesterday, I told him, I said, our, our little thing that we do is before daybreak, once we set up decoys and we get everything set up, in the morning and we have that downtime before shooting time me and jackson always turn around or whoever's with me it might be another buddy with me whoever it is and and we'll bow our heads and we'll say a prayer we'll thank the good lord above 
we, we always ask that, you know, we thank him for the opportunity to make a hunt, make a hunt together as a family and friends. <clears throat> we ask that he gets us home safely back to our, our wives and our, our other children. And it, we always close out the prayer by saying, if it's not too much to ask, we'd also ask that you send us, you know, some wildlife so we can have a successful hunt, no matter what we hunt. And I always have done that, even when I was fishing bass tournaments, I would always do that before I take off for a bass tournament or whatever it was. And that's just our thing. You know, we're not super spiritual, you know, or anything holy roly like that, but that's, we definitely are believers in the man above. And without him, I personally believe none of that, what we do would be possible. So. I like to do that. I want to teach that to my sons, and I make sure that we take the time to do it before that sun comes up and we get to see that sunrise that he creates when we make a hunt. So, you know, yesterday we did that. We started out with a little prayer after we had everything set up. And Jackson said, Dad, you know how you think it's going to go today? And I said, well, I said, you know, we had a good hunt the weekend before. We had talked to you guys, gave a good report on uh, on that. We had a pretty successful hunt in the timber over at the camp the week before. I told him, I said, if we could just get what we had last week, I'd be very happy to end the season. I just don't want to scratch. And uh, and we were blessed. We, we we really were yesterday. We we laugh when we look back at it now. We laugh and we killed a mixed bag of birds yesterday, guys. We ended up if you have been on our social media page, our Facebook page. We we ended up with two wood ducks. I knocked down a third. We had three wood ducks come in on us early on. Absolutely cupped up and locked up on our on our decoys, which was pretty cool to see. We had a flock of five wood ducks come over the spread. The only wood ducks that actually came over the spread uh, because you know how they are. We were hunting timber ridges and all that stuff. and late in the season like this it's very odd you're going to get some wood ducks come over open water over a spread like that they tend to hit those ridges or they know those cut throughs where they they close to that timber and they can get way back in that timber and get down and rest where they're not getting a lot of pressure so we had a group at daylight come over they had five birds in the flock and they were they were high tailing the towards we could hear them whistling coming through the trees and uh Boy, when they came over to spread, three of them just locked up on those decoys. Did a little dip, dive, move, and just straight down over the decoys. And me and Jackson pulled up. And he took, there was a big drake on the left-hand side. A hen in the middle and another drake on the right-hand side. And uh, he pulled up. He shot the drake on the left. I pulled up, shot the one in the, in the middle. But took me it took me three shots because I was trying to, swing back to his bird to help him in case he missed it. I, I really didn't want that bird to get out of there for him. And uh, didn't realize at the time I shot three shots and we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, we got him. And we thought the third one had left when we shot. Well, we sitting behind these cattails and I see this duck, literally this, this Drake wood duck is 10 yards in front of me. <clears throat> I see him through the cattails. And I said, oh shit, there's a, there's a Drake right there. So I pull up, stand up to shoot him, not realizing I had shot three shots, trying to get that Drake he had shot at, plus my hen. 
and, and the drake jumps up in front of me and swims or flies right to the back of the spread i pulled a trigger on my frock and click you know no shell in the chamber and the duck sits down way in the back of the spread next to these other cattails so i'm fumbling trying to throw a shell of my gun i get my shell of my gun and the duck jumps up again and i shoot way across the spread and the duck falls and hits the water but i can see it like trying to swim away and uh and i, I thought i had it good enough to where it was gonna die and I, I told him i said uh i said let's just sit here for a second which i made a mistake we should have went get the bird you know crank the motor up and went get the bird try to shoot it but we ended up at the end of the hunt not finding that bird but uh but got two out two out of the three you know coming in so we started out with those two birds and then later on uh it just you know not a whole lot of movement no big duck action is all wood ducks for the most part where we were uh, but they they just they were flying they were landing back in the timber and uh you know didn't have any other wood ducks come over to spread to be able to get a chance to shoot at so after a while we could hear those wood ducks in the in the woods in the back and i told jackson i said you know what I said, they're not very far from us. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to creep them. I'm going to get out the boat. And I, that's what I did. I got out the boat and I started walking through the timber, through the swamp, uh, wading through slowly, trying to get to those wood ducks. Um, and I heard a, a, a boom, you know, go off. And I thought Jackson, he had stayed in the boat. So I thought he had maybe shot another one. Well, come to find out a little later, he had a, he had a big cat squirrel that was right above him. So he shot it. Which, hey, last hunt of the season, I'm not mad at him. If he wanted to shoot that squirrel, let him shoot it. Um, you know, it made him happy, made his day. So he got him a squirrel too. And uh, ended up trying to creep those wood ducks. But, you know, guys, you, if you've done that before, you know how hard it is. You know, it, you either have to be in those woods or waiting on those ducks in daylight when they come in and pick them off. Because if you're trying to wade through in daylight and get them and make any kind of noise, they were flushing up. They had, they had hundreds of them we were flushing up. But it seems like the further I'd go back, the more they'd go back, and I never could get a shot to where I could see them in that thick cover. So that didn't really pan out. Couldn't, couldn't pull one off, so I headed back to the boat. Got back to the boat, and that's when Jackson told me he had shot a big cat squirrel. So I told him, I said, hey, go ahead. If you see another one after a while, shoot it. You know, We'll come back with a, a couple of wood ducks and a couple of squirrels, because it's still squirrel season. Here in Louisiana, hell, we'll, we'll, we'll put together a little mess of a game that we can maybe make a gumbo with or something, you know? So, uh, got back in the boat anyway, and we went ahead, we set up, and we settled down again. And uh, the day before, when we had went scouting, uh, we had actually come across, we were coming through a cut, and <clears throat> all of a sudden, out of a tree, about 25, 30 ducks just jumped out of the tree and what it ended up being was black belly whistling tree ducks or mexican squealers for a lot of us here in louisiana that we call them mexican squealers so we jumped up 25 30 maybe mexican squealers <coughs> they jumped up flew flew to a hole that we were headed towards scouting and granted guys this is not the same day as yesterday when we hunted this is the day before when we were scouting i'm kind of going rewind on y'all but uh we we got to this back hole and that flock ended up flying into another tree in this back hole and we jumped up another big flock of whistling ducks in the back so 
I looked at Jackson. I said, I can, I, man, I can, this is hard to believe. I actually got video footage of a flock. If you guys go check out our Facebook page, Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors on Facebook, I posted about a one-minute video of these, you know, uh, whistling ducks or Mexican squealers that we jumped up scouting the day before. This was Saturday afternoon. And I told Jackson, I said, man, I can't ever remember seeing whistling ducks in January in Louisiana. And I said, hell, maybe this is the new norm. You know, maybe this is what you're seeing because you're seeing whistling ducks now in January, which, hey, I'm not saying they've never been here in January, but I can tell you hunting in Sherbin wildlife management area or other areas I've personally hunted in January, I never see whistling ducks in January. But then again, we had a big warm up this week. Things are really thrown off this year with the season, the way the migration's been. <coughs> Excuse me. But it could be <coughs> something that becomes the norm if it continues to go the way the migration's gone over the last several years. So when we got there yesterday morning to the launch, I had a buddy that I ran into at the launch and he was on that side headed to that same hole that we had went through where we saw those wet, those whistling ducks the day before and I told him I said hey I said uh y'all hunting the back you know on on that back side and he said yeah he said we already said we haven't hunted it in about a month or so he said we're gonna go go ahead and go hunt it I said okay I said well hell man I saw a bunch of whistling ducks back there yesterday and he looked at me kind of like with a surprised look on his face. And he said, you serious? I said, yeah. He said, man, he said, uh, that's kind of odd to see, huh? And I said, yeah. I said, that's what I said. I said, that's the exact same thing I said. Uh, he said, well, I can tell you one thing. He said, if they back there today, he said, we're going to shoot them. And lo and behold, that's what ended up happening. I talked to him yesterday. And get this, they, they ended up killing... I think a three-man limit of whistling ducks yesterday morning and my buddy was blessed and lucky enough to kill a banded one yesterday so I'm, I was happy and I'm still to this you know the next day I'm happy as could be for him because I saw those ducks in there the day before and honestly if I would have got to the launch and they wouldn't have been hunting that hole or going to that hole me and Jackson had already determined we were going to go hit that hole. So even though we weren't able to hunt them, I'm glad that they were able to go make a successful hunt back there. And uh, and kind of out of the, the norm, they they killed, you know, a three-man limit of, of, of whistling ducks and was blessed enough to end up with a banded duck. So that same buddy has has to say that he had a pretty good year because just a week or two ago he killed a hybrid duck in that same general management area you know not too far from where they hunted yesterday and uh and then now fast forward a couple of weeks and he killed a banded whistling duck for the 2020-21 season so hats off to him congratulations you know who you are without mentioning your name um Man, what what a year! I, to, you made a couple of memories with those just just a couple of hunts. So, congratulations to you. But uh, but yeah, guys, I mean, whistling ducks in January uh, in Louisiana, you know, that's something usually we'll see during teal season. And you know, everybody's 
bitching because you got you can't keep the whistling ducks out of your spread. You can't shoot them during teal season, but they mixed in with the teal, and or they trying to decoy, and you get you trying to hunt teal if you teal hunt, you know. So to see them in January is completely just out of the norm for us here in Louisiana, as far as my experience and the history I've had hunting in January. Um, and I'm one of those guys. I typically go to the end of the season. You know, I, I hunt to the last week of the season, just like we did this week. Um, so, you know, I would have seen it in the past, and I can't ever remember as a kid killing whistling ducks, which are beautiful birds, absolutely beautiful birds. Phenomenal table fare, too, guys. Um, I don't know, you know, if you've ever had the opportunity to eat whistling ducks, but they are phenomenal table fare. Uh, very, very good. So, if you do get the opportunity, don't think it's a trash bird. It's not. It is not a trash bird. And uh, and you you might have a really good opportunity to kill a couple of them right now. We actually ended up with one yesterday um, on our hunt. We uh, we put together a whistling duck. We had two wood ducks. Like I said, we dropped the third, but we couldn't find it. So we assume it got away. Um, and then we had a squirrel yesterday. And Jackson did shoot a Morshan. He asked me to shoot a Morshan because last year uh, we had a buddy of ours that had killed some Morshans. And believe it or not, we actually ate them. And they were good. I have to say that. I'm not a guy who typically eats coots or, you know, stuff like that. That's not something I've, I've, I've had a lot of experience in the past with hunting or eating. That's table fare. But we had a buddy of ours last year cook up Morshan or Galanoo or rail basically it's a rail is what it is and i have to tell you i did not notice the difference whenever i ate them i was tricked and i thought it was duck so just a little tip i know a lot of you are probably saying fuck that or that's you know screw that i'm not gonna eat it let me tell you it is good it's not a very big breast it's it's about the size of a dove but i did other than the size i would have never known the difference between the duck breast and that if, I, if it wouldn't have been for the size. So don't rule it out, guys. If you're in an area, then, you know, you're looking for something to put in the freezer, table fare, it's legal, perfectly legal to shoot them here in Louisiana, and they're not bad. It's a lot of waste if, you, if you're cooking them for breast. I know some guys I've heard, they, they, they get meat off of the legs because they got those big giant legs. But this, this friend of mine, he breasted them. And then I ended up breasting a couple of them myself last year, cooked them up, and I'm telling you, they are good. So we had a, a mixed bag yesterday for sure. We posted a picture up. You can go see it on our Instagram page, on our Facebook page of Jackson. He got that last final strap of the season, and it is, a, is one of the, the funnest mixed straps you'll ever see. You got wood ducks. You got Westland duck. You got a Morshan, and you got a squirrel, all in one picture. So you talk about a Louisiana gumbo right there. But we we had a memorable last hunt. He got to shoot everything except the hen wood duck that I got. He shot it all yesterday, and he ended his season on a on a high yesterday. Because you talk about a, a, a 11 year old fixing to be 12 years old this week, basically 12 year old boy that was smiling ear to ear, ending out closing out the season so 
I told him yesterday when we picked up the final decoys, I told him, I said, Jackson, I said, I know it's been a grind this year. I know it's been a hard year, tough year. We didn't always have good hunts this year, but we had some where we pieced some good hunts together, you know? I said, but the one thing I want to tell you I'm thankful for is you hunting with me this year and me and you have an opportunity to hunt together all season. And I, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And those of you who are dads and fathers, maybe you're a parent or an uncle to, to a child, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that. That's the good that came out of this season. That's the positives that I, I, I wanted to focus on in this closing show of, this, of the waterfowl season here on our podcast. Not to fuss and bitch and moan about the way the season went, but just the small things, guys. And you hear people say that all the time. <clears throat> you know, and, and a lot of you who listen may be of the younger generation. You don't necessarily understand where I'm coming from when I say that. For some of you listening, it's all about the limit. You're saying, oh, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Are you laughing? Are you making negative comments? You know, oh, you didn't kill him, but we killed him. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there's all, but that that's, and that's fine and dandy. But where I'm coming from is something that you younger guys are going to experience as you get a little bit older and you mature as hunters. And you look at things a little bit differently each season. You look at the seasons differently as you get older. And I talked about that in a couple of other episodes that you probably tuned in for. Um, you just look at some things differently as you get older and you progress as a hunter throughout the years. So I don't expect everybody to understand where I'm coming from. But even you younger guys, um, you know, if you take somebody hunting with you, whether it's your buddy for the first time, he wants to waterfowl hunt or duck hunt, and you can teach him something, and he has fun doing it, and he wants to get involved in duck hunt, that's kind of the feeling that I'm talking about whenever you're going to have children, and you progress as a hunter as you get older with your kids. It's kind of that same feeling, but it's, it's, it's magnified. It's even greater when it's your own kids. And looking back at the season, I was blessed enough and thankful to have that opportunity with my oldest son to do that. So in my eyes, when I, when I really sit back and think about it, guys, it was a successful season, just in a different way for us. And I've talked about this before, you know, because we do a podcast and we do this show and we share all this information with you guys, does not make us experts in any way. Just because you hear my voice right now on this show or, um, you know, I've had guys tell me, oh, why everybody thinks they have a, a, a fucking expert and they got to do a podcast. I've made comments about our show before like that. And, you know, I have responded to a couple of them and, and, and kind of gave an explanation, but I don't owe anybody an explanation. We don't do this podcast because we're experts. We never have claimed to be experts. I've talked about this before. We do and started this podcast in order to meet other waterfowl hunters like us and share information with other waterfowl hunters like you. And I saw a comment the other day that somebody made saying, you know, what what the fuck is it with 
experienced hunters giving all their information away to people that are lazy and don't want to go out and do the work. And I think I know where he's coming from, and I don't think that's directed at everybody. Probably a small majority of people. Because I'm one of those older generations that enjoy sharing information with you. And, and there's a lot of hunters, let me make this clear, there's a lot of hunters out there that don't share information. I got some of my best friends. Hey, don't, don't say this, don't say that, because they, they might know exactly where we are. And look, I get it, I understand that. I was that way at one point. But you know the funny thing and what's ironic, guys, is I tell you probably 95% of the time, I could be as honest about where we hunt or as honest about what we do, the way we hunt. Our, if something worked for us, I could tell you exactly what it was. And nowadays, a lot of people are so programmed to think you lying that they don't even believe you to begin with. Because everybody knows a hunter's not going <coughs> to tell you any information to help you as a hunter, right? And I used to be like that. I used to be just like the majority of us that probably are like that. But as I've gotten older, I want to help educate. I, I enjoy meeting new friends doing that. And I talked about this before. You know, I've had people open up to me and give me information as a result of me giving them information. And I can't tell you how many times it's, it's benefited me as a hunter just by me, me being honest with them about something that I did while I was hunting. So it's insane how, you know, you're programmed to kind of keep that information all to yourself. And I'm not at all saying, hey, go give all, all your hunting spots GPS coordinates to everybody. Um, you know, go put it out on social media because there are a lot of lazy hunters out there. There's a lot of fly by night hunters is what I call them. And you know, they lazy, they don't want to do the work. And I'm not gonna just go put that out there if I'm the one busting my hump to scout throughout the season and do all that. I'm not gonna push you GPS coordinates and tell you exactly where I'm at. But yeah, I'll share some information with you. I'll tell you about what decoy spread worked for us, just like I did on the episode last week. I was straight up honest with every one of you who listened to our show on a regular basis when I told you, if you recall and you listened to last week's show, we hunted last week over a spread that we've never done before that I saw a guy last year do and had some success. And I told one of my good hunting buddies that hunts, get, hunts with me all the time that, hey, next year I'm gonna do that and just to see what happens. And we had one of our better hunts this year and if you go back and listen to last week's show, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not gonna tell you guys what it was <clears throat> if you haven't listened to the show, but go check out last week's episode that we did. It's totally different than your traditional decoy spread. And we had the birds that we had work us lock up on decoys and we were able to make a successful hunt because of what we did. Well, guess what? We did it again yesterday. And those wood ducks that we killed that I told you, those three that broke off of that flock that came across, absolutely locked up and landed a foot away from those, or landed a foot away from where those decoys were positioned at. So 
I have to say that it worked again yesterday. You know, because we may not have had that opportunity if we didn't have that spread. I could have thrown some deeks out. You know, where, where we were hunting yesterday, you guys could see it. If you go check out the social media, our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, you'll see it was a timber hole, thick as could be with duck seed. Not a whole lot of motion, not a whole lot of wind's gonna blow that duck seed around. But I put together that same spread that I did the week before. I talked about in the episode before this one. And those birds broke off of that flock for a reason yesterday and locked up on those decoys. And then later on had a whistling duck do the exact same thing. So you know what? In my opinion, it worked. So that's something that I learned a little different this year that I'm going to carry on into next season. So as hunters, we tend to get in that groove. We think we know it all. We think we figured it out. Well, I've mentioned this, and you've heard me say it on the show before. Every year, it changes. It seems like, <laughs> y'all going to laugh at me, but it seems like every year for, it changes for the worse over the last couple of seasons. But every year, it changes. Whether the conditions are changing, where we hunting is changing, Mother Nature, it's an El Nino year where it's raining nonstop. It's a warm winter. It's a cold winter. You know, you every year Mother Nature is going to throw a curveball. And you don't know what to expect. Especially as public land waterfowl hunters. What I would love to see going into 2021 next year is... I one thing that, that really bothered me this year, I guess I could say, and, and I'm just going to be honest with, with all of you, is the negativity that was out there this year with just people, especially social media. Social media, you know, y'all have heard me talk about social media before. It, it, it can be a blessing and it can be a curse. Um, you know, for us doing this, Last Stop Waterfowls, you know, outdoors, our podcast, our social media pages have been a blessing for us. We've met so many cool people, a lot of lifetime friends, hopefully, um, that we've met through social media and got to hook up with and hunt with and do different things with. Uh, new sponsors. <clears throat> you know, we, we're very blessed. Social media is what we have to thank a, a big part of for that. But it can also be the opposite, and you guys know that. Man, I have to tell you one thing that really bothered me with social media this year is people just asking general questions on forums and just absolutely getting their their asses ripped for asking a question because this guy knows so much more and he knows everything about it and how dare you ask that question. Man, you know, when I look at it, I just kind of read them and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You know, we're supposed to be promoting the sport not tearing these people down because they ask a question and there's different types of questions i get that there's the lazy hunter questions that hey man when does the this season close can i shoot this right now yes that can be found in a pamphlet that can be found in you know in the hunting regulations but i saw a post where guys killed species of birds 
where they were just asking a general question of, hey, I killed this bird. Can you tell me what it is? Because I can't quite figure it out. And guys just like ripping their ass because of it, you know, and making fun of them. Well, how the hell are we going to promote the sport and have these guys feel comfortable if you if you constantly ripping their ass over a question when they're trying to learn and you they're trying to be educated a little bit? You, you know, we got what kind of character do we have as hunters when we when we act like that? You know, so that's something that I'd like to see us improve on in 2021 as a group of hunters. You know, and I'm not here preaching to the choir saying, hey, I never did it. I never done something before because I'm sure I have and I've probably pissed off somebody because I made a comment before. But if I acted like that and I made those comments to somebody and you said, hey, that guy's an asshole. Then I want to tell you, if you ever stumble upon this show and hear me say this, I apologize to you because I was out of place to do that. And I don't want to be that guy. And especially I don't want to see my sons coming up hunting with me, see me ever talk to somebody or act like that. And I don't want them to act like that because in my opinion, it's more important now with the future generation we got now, the younger generation that so many older people complain about no respect, lack of values, no manners, no etiquette. How many times have you seen that this year? No etiquette. No hunting etiquette. Don't pick up the trash. Hell, I turned onto the reserve road yesterday, right where the staging area is. A big old pile of Coke cans and cups that somebody had staged there to hunt and threw it all over the ground. I got out, stopped my truck, picked it up, threw it in the back of my truck. It's that type of stuff, younger guys, that when you hear these older hunters and these, these guys that have been doing it a long time say you have no respect for the land you hunt and for the, you know, no manners and morals, that's the type of shit that guys are talking about. If you those guys, that's why you get on a forum and you get your ass ripped and you get complained about. I'm not saying it's right, but that's the reason behind it. So, heading into 2021, guys, let's do a better job of that. Let's take care of our reserves. We can't be the ones bitching about our reserves not being in good shape. But yet, you turn around and you throw trash out the window and you throw in all your food because you slept in the truck overnight your bags of food and chicken tenders and whatever else McDonald's you got throwing it on the ground in the reserve. Or you hunt a, a, a you hunt a certain spot, you know, a brush blind that you know is hunted by other public hunters. And you hop in there and they got shell boxes and casings and food and cans and energy drinks and all that shit all over the ground. Let's do a little bit better job of cleaning up behind ourselves, especially on our public lands, guys. Because guess what? They'll never, our, our officials that are in charge of helping our areas, they'll never help us if we don't help ourselves. And, and that's my honest belief on that. That's my opinion on it. And a lot of you have a, a negative look towards that. You say, oh, they ain't helping us anyway. They fucking us. They, you know, they're not helping us. Look, maybe they are and maybe they aren't. But I can tell you that the officials that I've talked to, I actually mentioned that on a show a few episodes back, that 
in sherbet management area where we are, we, we saw, you know, a big push in invasive species with the grass this year coming up. And we contacted our official with wildlife and fisheries here in Louisiana that's in charge of that area. And when I first did it myself and I sent an email to the man, I didn't necessarily expect a response back. Or I, I thought, I said, if I do get a response, it's going to be a generic response probably, you know, maybe even computer generated response. But I, I, I honestly got a response from the man in charge himself. And I thanked him. I, I, I thanked him for his response. And I said, hey, I appreciate you. I'm sure you're doing as much as you can with the crew you got and the funds you got. I just appreciate you responding, first of all, and not forgetting about us. And he responded back to me in more detail, thanking me for saying, hey, I appreciate you because so many times people approach us telling us everything we do wrong or we're not doing when in fact we are doing our best with the budget that we have with the resources that we have in this area and other areas for not only waterfowl hunters but for the all hunters deer hunters um, outdoor enthusiasts that don't even necessarily hunt bird watchers you know, anybody who visits our wildlife management areas, when you fill out that card, you see all those activities on that card. It's not just about the hunting. You know, there's a lot of activities that go out that people are doing outside of that. They trying to help improve what they can with the resources they're given. And, and I have to say, I respect the hell out of him for responding and being honest and kind of opening up a little bit. So we have to do our part also we have to ask ourselves if they're doing their part with what they have or are we doing our part with what we have and that's something i would like to see us improve on in 2021 as a group of hunters guys but i just want to tell you that you know i appreciate you guys shifting gears with me right here what a phenomenal response we've had all season long from from all of you who tune into the show on a weekly basis you have tuned in several you know there's a group of you i say several there's a group of you that have continued to support us throughout the season because i'm assuming i even sit back and i say why the hell do they listen to me blabber on for an hour every week or every time we do an episode and, and it's because you guys are passionate just like i'm passionate about it no, we don't have a big budget radio show, podcast, all that stuff. We have a great sponsor that helps host us, puts it out to you guys to listen to. And we have an awesome, badass group of guys who listen to us on a regular basis and listen to what I have to say. And we talk waterfowl hunting. And I listen to you guys, what you have to say. And we bounce ideas off of each other. And we've done it all season long. This is now the third season of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast that we've done. And we have grown, and it's because of you guys, so I can't thank you enough. Just because the waterfowl season's coming to an end, guys, don't mean it's got to it's gotta end. I talked about it on last show. We are going to do some fishing uh, podcast this summer. We're going to, you know, there's a reason outdoors is on the end of Last Stop Waterfowl. And that's because we everything outdoors. We do it all just like a lot of you guys do. We fish in the summertime. We hunt in the hunting season. And everything in between if it has to do with outdoors. 
and we're gonna just want to let you guys know we're gonna do some fishing podcast this year this summer so stay tuned for that um we're also looking for new sponsors heading into 2021 2022 season for waterfowl season um and also for fishing we we have some partnerships that we we're forming right now on the fishing side some great products based here in louisiana for you guys to tell you about that we use that we're excited about we want to share with you guys so we got some some exciting information coming. We just signed up with a new sponsor that we uh, mentioned on our social media, guys. Wrap It Up Cajun Customs. Uh, a good friend of ours, Romeo Mamalo, from right here in South Louisiana. Romeo uh, started his company, Wrap It Up Cajun Customs. And if you guys have ever thought about like wrapping up, uh, what I'm talking about, wrap up, I'm talking about like a shotgun, an AR, a rifle. You ever wanted to protect it? Or maybe you bought one that was a, a black synthetic or maybe a woodstock that you wanted to protect. Or maybe you're not happy with the camo pattern you have on your gun now. Romeo can wrap your gun, hunting firearm or personal firearm of choice in any camo pattern, whether it's mossy oak, real tree, or a lot of other designs over at Wrap It Up Cajun Customs. Go check him out right now. We partnered with him. He's a new sponsor on the show. We're, we're extremely excited. He's done a shotgun for me in the last week. Uh, it was an old, uh, older, I say an older model, H&R um, semi-automatic that he did for me. That was a, a plain black. I wanted to spruce it up. He wrapped it up for me in my favorite camo pattern, Mossy Oak Bottomland. Go check it out. We have some photos on our Facebook page. Awesome job. So we're glad to have wrap it up cajun customs on the show with us as one of our sponsors for the new year and you heard us talk about anchor.fm we can't do it without them um, they're our host for the podcast they monetize they distribute it out to you guys to listen to we talk about them every week check them out anchor.fm if you've ever thought about making your own podcast or starting your own podcast Anchor.fm is where you want to be, guys. And last but not least, we partnered with this company for the 2020-2021 season. Great guy. I'm talking about Patrick Irkfitz over at Beaver Creek Game Calls. Patrick is a phenomenal person. Makes some beautiful handcrafted duck calls. But he doesn't just stop there, guys. He does turkey calls, deer calls, uh, goose, duck you want it he could probably make it for you if it has to do with wildlife and calls making a call for you he'll customize the colors he could put them in your favorite colors whether it's a college team whatever color scheme you want patrick kirkfitz will design a call for you guys we have used them throughout the season um been very happy with them whether it was cold weather wet weather dry weather never stuck on us never let us down sounded great very happy Go check them out. You will not be disappointed. Tell them the guys at Last Stop Waterfowl sent you to them. You can check them out on the web at beavercreekgamecalls.com, guys. Well, guys, this is not a goodbye for till next season. This is just going to be temporary, but I wanted to thank you guys again for tuning in to this week's show. I hope you share it with your buddies. I hope you guys talk it over. If you like something about the show, 
let us know. If you don't like something about the show, you disagree with something, we'd be glad to hear it. Let us know how we can improve, we can do better to make you guys' listening experience better as we continue to evolve and grow. But also check us out on social media. Blast Stop Waterfowl Outdoors, guys.